Hello. Good evening. Happy Sabbath. You know, um, my name is Robert Machado, and uh, it is a privilege to be here, up here with you guys this evening. I want to thank the UV team for the invitation um, to preach in what is my last semester here at Andrews University. So I'm excited about that. I don't know how many of you guys are graduating. I'm going to leave this place. One, okay. So I'm excited. I'm happy. And I have to say, I resonate with Stacy wherever she went because I was also a biology pre-med major until the Lord said, nah, I need you to be a pastor and call me over. So I resonate with her and I, and I feel that calling. So thank you for sharing that, Stacy. So as we begin, um, something I want to share with you guys, I want you guys to know about me, is um, there are three things that I love, four that I treasure, and these are kind of my core values and principles. The first is justice. I have a very strong sense of justice. And then freedom. I love freedom. I love to be free to do what I want to do and everything like that. And power. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit, but with all three of these things, I believe that all three of them need to be connected with love. Because without love, all, of these, all three of these things can be corrupted and twisted, and they won't live up to what God desired them to be. But for tonight, I want to talk about power. Because that's one of the things that I love. I truly believe that you can't change the things in this world without some form of power. And so with the theme this semester of warriors and prophets, I immediately thought, man... When I think about warriors, I think about power. And when I think about power, I'm thinking about superpowers. So I'm thinking about heroes. So I think of people like Superman. I'm thinking about like the Flash. I'm thinking about like Wonder Woman. You know, not Batman because he has no superpowers. So sorry for the Batman lovers out there. I, I love, the, I think about Hulk. I think about Thor. And anyone out there who might love anime, I think about Goku as well, for my DBZ fans. I think about all these people who have power. But when I'm thinking about power in this Bible, I think about no one, no one else than Samson. Samson is the most powerful man who lived on this earth. But when I'm reading the story of Samson, I'm thinking to myself, he had so much power, but what did he do with it? I want us to think about that as we pray. Holy Spirit, it's your time. I just pray that you would come and be with us and share your word with us. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So for this message, I'm just going to be briefly going through Samson's story. I'm just going to go through the power plays of his life, if you will. So please go with me. If you've got your Bibles, cell phones, whatever, paperback, go to Judges chapter 13. We're going to be going in there. And we're going to be talking about story of Samson. Samson is a man born, he's son of Manoah, Manoah and his wife. And the angel of the Lord comes and tells them, hey, you're going to have a baby, and, his and he's going to be a Nazarite. What is a Nazarite? I'm going to throw this slide up here on the screen. A Nazarite is one who is consecrated to the Lord. He or she is not allowed to drink wine or strong drink, touch corpses of any kind, Cut his or her hair. Keep those things in mind as we go through the story. So Samson is born a Nazarite. And 
You need to understand when you're reading Samson's story, you need to understand what is the context that he is coming into. He's coming to, if you go to verse 1, it says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So Israel at this point has been enslaved. They've been subjugated. They have been oppressed by by the Philistines for 40-some years now. And God's response to this situation is here in verse 5 where it says, No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So God is now presenting the solution to the problem. It's Samson, this boy. He's telling them, you will have a son, and he is going to be called to be a savior. He is called from the womb. Many years in the future, Jeremiah would be called from the womb to be a prophet. But already here we have someone who was called in the womb to be a savior, to save Israel from the Philistines. Now fast forward into Samson. He, chapter 14, he's a grown man now. And when you're a grown man, you, you tend to start, you know, looking to the opposite gender, you know, trying to think, you know, trying to settle down. You want to get married. But sadly, he doesn't like it says here that he goes down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, and he said, Dad, she's right in my eyes. Go and get her for me. And he's thinking to himself, the father says, uh, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives, among your own people? And basically Samson is saying, his father is asking actually, saying, are there no church girls that you like? Are there no women in the church? Are there no girls at Andrews University? Is, there, is, is the dating scene dead in that place? And, and Samson is saying, sadly, yes, I don't like anyone there. And I, I prefer going to Chicago. I prefer going outside of the Berrien area. They're not for me. Sorry, Dad. And Samson is just, Samson is going off. And his parents are really discouraged. You know, they're thinking like, man, he's going to cause problem for him for himself. But they don't understand. In verse 4, it says, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. So the Lord is stirring up trouble. He is actually allowing these things to happen so that, so that Samson will finally cause trouble for the Philistines. And this is one of these moments. This is the one story where it's parental guidance. Please do not do this at home. Please do not do this in your spiritual life. And, you know, the Lord may have done it in Samson's life, but please do not ask the Lord to stir things up and cause war upon other people because that, that's not what he's asking for us today. But he does it in Samson's life. And so Samson goes down to Timnah. He's going to go and meet with his wife, his bride, and all of a sudden a lion comes out to him. I don't know how many of you guys are walking to the campus center, a lion comes out. But Samson meets out of a lion, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what do you do? What's the first thing you do when you see a lion? You just run away, you know, you, you try to hide. For me, honestly, I know I'm going to be dead, so at least I'm going to try and fight this lion, you know. I'm going to, like, go down fighting, do something. But the Bible says that my man Samson actually grabs the lion with no weapon and just tears it up like a young goat, now, I don't know how many of you guys run around tearing up young goats, but I'm trying to think about in the story, like, if he was telling, like, when I'm tearing up some goat curry, or, like, when I'm tearing up some fried chicken, you know, or maybe Sam's chicken for some other people, like, when I'm tearing up a meal, maybe that's what he's talking about. Then I could understand, okay, when you just tear that thing up, and it's just, like, flat. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing, tears that thing up, and I'm just like, wow, power. 
Samson is powerful. Okay, that's awesome. And so, skipping along, he's going to his wedding, and at his wedding, he decides to play a game with his bridal party. He's like, hey guys, I've got a riddle for you, and if you can solve it, I'm going to give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if not, you have to give that to me. So let's make this bet. They agree, but, obviously, but they can't figure out the riddle. So they harass his wife to give them the answer. They give the answer to Samson, and Samson is mad because he knows that what they did. And so what does Samson do? Is he nice about it? Does he actually give up the, glo- the clothes that he's supposed to? No. In fact, Samson does one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He actually goes to the nearby town, Ashkelon, and decides to, and the Bible says strike down, but he actually goes out and kills 30 guys, takes their clothes, takes it to the people and says, here you go. And I'm thinking to myself, this is wild. This is a man of God. This is supposed to be a warrior of God, and he just goes off and he does that? And so he's mad, and then... But, and then in his anger, he leaves. He goes home in the middle of his wedding. And so what does his father-in-law do? He thinks Samson doesn't want his wife anymore. So he gives her to his best man. He gives Samson's wife to his best man. Yeah, that's, that's a shocker. So what do you think happens a few days later when Samson's trying to go and see his wife? Uh, sorry, I gave her to your best man, but... Uh, you know, why not go for her, my other daughter, my younger daughter? She's much prettier. And if that's not scriptural shade that he's throwing, I've never, I don't know what is. But it's funny. And then Samson's just like, ah, you, know, you just, I, I'm getting married, and you just gave up my wife to my best man. And uh, you know what? It's cool. You know what? Actually, you know what? It's lit. Literally. As he lights up, the fields uh, and the fam- uh, fields of grain and orchards of, Philist- of Philistia. It's crazy. He actually grabs 300 foxes. If you never read this, you need to read this story. He gets 300 foxes, ties up torches to their tails, and just says, go for it. Light this place up. This place is burning up. And the Philistines are like, what is going on? What is happening here? And then it's like, well, you know, Samson's like wife, like that Timonite dude, he gave her up. And yeah, that's kind of an awkward situation. Oh, well, okay. Burn them up then. Burns up the woman and her father. And it's like, wow. So you thought that would please Samson? Samson gets even angrier, beats some, a, more, a couple more guys down, and go hides in a cave. So now we're seeing Samson is powerful, but he's not really responsible with this power. He's just going along, laying waste to those people around him. And now he goes and hides in a cave. The Philistines go to the city, city of Lehi. They go there, and then they're saying, hey, bring Samson to us. So the men of Judah go, tie up Samson, and they bring him. And so when he's there in the field, a thousand Philistine soldiers are coming up, and they're just shouting. They're going to go after him. And what does Samson do? He just breaks out of the road. He just bust through, and there is a convenient, and the scripture says, a fresh jawbone. There is conveniently a fresh jawbone right here. So he just, you know, I'm just going to pick this up. He just picks up that jawbone and starts whacking people around. He starts taking on all thousand soldiers and destroys them. He wrecks them. And he's just one man army, and I'm just like, wow. This man is incredible. This man's so strong, man. And I'm just like, I'm loving the story. And so 
it was crazy that after this battle, this is finally, because when you think about all this, all these things that Samson has done, remember what we said before, he was called, he was called to be a savior for Israel, and yet he's doing all these crazy things, but God is still using him. And also remember that not only the jawbone incident, but also the whole lion incident, because with the, with the lion, he actually comes back after he kills the lion. He comes back a few days later and actually finds some honey in that lion, the dead carcass of the lion, gets the honey, eats it, tastes good, and takes it back home. And I'm like, what? And so twice he is breaking his Nazarite covenant. He's broken his vows twice already because he's not supposed to touch corpses. And so it's like, okay, but still God uses him. He makes mistakes. He's not perfect. He's not all that. But God still uses him. And the scripture says that he finally becomes the judge of Israel for 20 years. And I'm thinking, whoa, God called him to be a judge. He was supposed to be, if you remember Chat Polite's sermon a few weeks ago, he was supposed to be the solution to the problem, which is the captivity, the enslavement from the Philistines, and he's finally living up to his calling. And if the story stopped right there, you know, this would probably be a decent story. This would be good. At least he lived up to his calling. But sadly, that's not the case. If we fast forward to chapter 16, you will find that Samson, after being a judge, you know, he's the spiritual leader of Israel for 20-some years now. After all this, he goes to Gaza, and he basically, you know, in layman's terms, he gets together with a prostitute. Gets together with a prostitute. He's doing these things. And then later he gets together with Delilah. And this is where the story, if it was already getting bad, it goes wrong. Because he starts just living with a woman, and her name is Delilah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is obviously a problem because she has lies in her name. This woman is full of lies already. It's Delilah. Like, what are you doing, man? And the story is already showing itself true because he gets with her. The Philistines realize this, and she's like, they're like, hey, we'll give you 1,100 silver coins. That's a lot of money. We're talking about thousands, maybe thousands of dollars. Hey, we just need you to seduce this guy and tell him, tell us, What's the weakness? What's his weakness? What's the secret to his strength? So she's like, I got this. And so, and I think she knew that Samson was kind of dumb or something because she just goes to Samson and she just says, please, she says, please, tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Basically, she's like, yo, can you tell me your weakness? So like if someone wanted to destroy you, like, you know, just in theoretically, what would that be? Or if you wanted to kind of like lighten it a little bit, has, has your boyfriend or girlfriend ever asked you, babe, you know, how could I annoy you and make you angry? You know, how could I make you have a terrible day? Just, you know, not that I want to, but if someone was interested in doing that. Like, that's not a question you ask. And if someone, if you're, if you're you know, your potential partner is asking you that, you need to seriously consider that relationship. Because that's, that's already a dangerous relationship. She's already asking, how can I destroy you? But Samson is not worried because guess what? He's been in problems before and God has always bailed him out. The Spirit of the Lord has always given him the power he needed to get out. So he's not worried. So the first time he's like, oh yeah, you know, if you get 
seven bowstrings that have never been dried. I'll be weak as any other man. Now we're talking about like, you know, like bowstrings, you know, little strings. And he just like, obviously that's not going to work. But she does it anyway. And she's like, hey, look, the Philistines are upon you. They come in and Samson's like, oh, what? Boom, pop, 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 done, done. Just takes him out. That's it. And she's like, and then they're like, what? You know, get him to tell you the secret. And she's like, she tries again. And again, Samson's like, oh, if you just get some new ropes, that'll do the trick. But again, they ambush him and he's like, blah, blah, done, you know, takes them out. And then again, she's like, yo, babe, can't you just tell me how can someone, not me, but someone can destroy you? Sure, babe, no worries. Just get my hair, put it on a weave, a loom, braid it a little bit, and it'll be great. No worries. I'll be weak as any man. But again, it doesn't work. And everyone is losing their patience. Everyone is getting mad. But Samson's having fun with it because he's like, I'm the strongest man. No one can be- beat me down. No- nothing bad is going to happen to me. And so finally, after days on days of Delilah messing with him, harassing him, bothering him, nagging him, if you will, he finally gives in. Oh, fine. If you just cut my hair, do you just take all seven locks out? I'll be weak as any other man. And that is where everything goes from okay to just worse. Because finally, the Philistines have got him. And the sad, and the sad part of the story is that once they've cut his hair and they begin to ambush him, Samson says this. He wakes up and he says, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. He assumed that God would always be there to break him out. He took his presence for granted. And yet, and he, he thought he never had to fix his bad habits, fix his mistakes. It was going to be okay because God would always have his back. But he didn't realize that in the following verse, it says he did not know that the Lord had left him. It's a sad thing when God's people assume God will always bail them out when they're living sinful lives. And that is what Samson assumes it's going to be okay every time, but it's not. And so he's tied up. He's imprisoned. And the two things that have always guided his life, not prayer, not scripture reading, not being faithful to the Lord, but his eyes, because he's always saying, I like what I see, and what I see is what I get. So finally, his eyes are gouged out and he's blinded. He goes to prison, and there the scripture gives a little bit of hope, and it says that his hair begins to grow back. And Mrs. White talks about how in those moments in prison, he realized his mistakes. He realized that he had not lived up to his calling. God called him to be a judge. God called him to be a savior. He did it nicely for 20-some years, but he fell off. He went back to his old ways, and now he was in this predicament. And so then one day, the Philistine rulers, they're celebrating their victory over Samson. They're thinking, they're in the temple of their God, and they're like, you know what? Bring Samson in. Let's entertain ourselves with him. This is a, a great day. You know, our gods have won. And so Samson comes in, and he tells the boy, please let me lean against the pillars here. And as that moment that Samson says, Oh God, that strengthen me. Please remember me. Please strengthen me only this once, that I may be avenged upon the Philistines for my two eyes. And so then he just throws down the pillars. 
busts them down, breaks everything, and then he dies with the Philistines. 3,000 men and women died that day. He killed more people, the scripture says, than he ever had in his entire life. And growing up, hearing the story, I always thought, man, Samson was so cool. Why do you have to go out like a, like a sacrificial hero, like a martyr? Why do you have to go out like that? He was so strong, so powerful. But you know what? And I hear some preachers preach this. You know what? But you know what? Praise God for his mercy and his love because Samson still made it to the gallery of faith. He still made it after he made so many mistakes. And you know what? Amen for that. Praise God that he still has so much mercy that even though we make mistakes, we can still make it into heaven. But my question to you, Andrews University, is are you okay with that? Are you satisfied with that kind of life, just making it in? You see, as as I was preparing for this message, I was here three weeks ago, and I heard Taj come up here, and he spoke about us being world changers. And some of us accepted that call to become world changers and to want to go and do that. And then a week later, Polite came, and he talked about, hey, what's your problem? What's the calling that God has in your life? And how are you going to be a solution to that problem? And some of us accepted, hey, I want to be the solution to that problem. But now as I'm seeing the story here, I'm look, look at Samson. Look at this man. Samson was supposed to be a world changer. He knew his calling. He knew that God had given, made him to be the solution to this problem. And he actually lived up to his calling for a little while. But then he decided to fall back to go back to his sinful ways, to trust more in his eyes than unto the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, man, Samson was so strong. He was so powerful. And yet he could never defeat himself. He always fell to his temptations. He always gave in in to his own desires. And if his external, if his internal power was equivalent to his external power, what an incredible man he would have been. I kept thinking to myself, you know, what does a faithful Samson look like? What does a spirit-led Samson look like? What does a Samson who is faithful to the Lord look like? Because you see, if, if I could give a title to this message, a theme, it's that God is saying, hey, And he spoke this to me. You know what, Rob? You, right now, you're not just not living up to your calling. You are overwhelmingly living beneath your calling. You're not even doing what I asked you to do. You know so much, and yet you choose not to do it on a daily basis. You like looking good on Sabbath, but you're not with me all six days of the week. It was when I was preparing this message last two months, I'm thinking to myself, man, where have I been, Lord? And it's like, obviously not with me. I called you. And just because you got your calling and now you know where you're supposed to go, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you want and go back to the way you were. I'm calling you to change. I'm calling you to transformation. But to do that, it requires being faithful. It requires being obedient to my calling. Ultimately, I realized, man, I'm Samson. And this story serves to tell and warn me, don't do this at home. Don't do this in your spiritual life. Don't be like me. 
Because if not, you will lose. You will fall apart. And maybe Samson got away, and he's up there, and he's going to make it to heaven. But can that be said the same for all of us? And so I'm going to ask the musicians to come out. And this is my challenge to all of you. When you go to heaven, and when you talk to Samson, will he tell you, and will he say, man, that's an awesome story. You've lived an amazing life. I wish I could have been as faithful to God. I wish I could have been obeyed. I wish I could have followed and lived up to my calling. I wish I had done better. Or will he say, why did you do the same things I did? Why did you live the same life I did? Didn't you see? You weren't supposed to be like me. You were supposed to be like Christ. You were supposed to be like Jesus, the only one who has been truly faithful, truly obedient. Like we sang before, what a wonderful Savior he is. He came totally focused to fix the problem of sin and save us from it. And so I challenge you with this. If you don't know your calling, you're figuring it out, or you do know your calling, wherever you're at, once you get it, don't look back. If I, if I can borrow the words of Shia LaBeouf for a quick minute, just do it. Literally, just do it. If God calls you to do something, just do it. Go for it. Go for it 100%. Because if not, you will end up like this man blind, imprisoned, and living underwhelmingly beneath his own calling. If that's your desire to be different, to change, and to actually live up to what Christ is calling you to do, I just ask that you would stand and sing this final song with us.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, living overwhelmingly beneath our calling, that's not the story that we want for our lives. We want to be able to say that we were faithful, God, that we were obedient, and we did as you desired, that we lived our lives honoring you, Father, and that the power you give us, we used it to be a blessing to all those around us. Father, please have your way in us. Save us, O oh God, from our sinful ways, from our own desires, and help us to simply walk as our Savior did, to be like Jesus. This is my prayer. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.